We really enjoyed the opportunity to pray with all your kids last Sunday for Wellspring Sunday. And we hope that it's an encouragement to all you parents to keep on praying for your kids. On a regular basis, every day, be praying for your children. In fact, we're going to learn something about prayer today. All right. Ready for Sunday school? Yes. All right. Let's pray for all of our kids. God, thank you for everyone. Thank you for all the, the boys and girls who are ready for Sunday school now. We pray, Lord, that you will be with them. Bless them as they sing and worship you. Bless them as they hear your word being taught to them. And Lord, let every page that they learn from the Bible today, let it leap from those pages right into their hearts. Help them to understand what you say today. Help them to be obedient to your words today. And I pray, oh God, you will do such a great work in them that they will also not just bless Jesus, their Savior, but also bless their parents. Thank you, God. Bless these kids, their parents, their homes, their schools. Be with them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, kids. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. All right, it's good to see everybody here today. If you're uh, new with us, or maybe you haven't been here for a while, we are studying the book of Mark together, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so in the New Testament, it's the second book of the New Testament, the second Gospel in the New Testament. So if you can actually find that in your Bibles, the Gospel of Mark. And today I'm going to read a few verses from this ch uh, first chapter. But then, of course, as I'm preaching today... The verses will also show up on the screen. So if you don't have any form of Bible with you, don't worry. In just a moment, you will see the verses that I am uh, preaching from today. But if you will find that in, in Mark chapter 1, today we're going to learn about prayer. The importance of a prayer life in the believer. And we're going to call today's sermon face-to-face -face with God. And hopefully you'll understand why we call today's sermon, those words, uh, hopefully you'll see that that's what prayer is all about, face-to-face -face with God. And so today we're going to look at a story, of course, of Jesus. We're going to see something about his prayer life, and I hope today everyone here, at the conclusion of today's service, I pray that you will all be inspired to sort of elevate your prayer life, to do more with it than you have done in the past. And I pray that today it'll be something that you truly cherish in your walk with the Lord, that you have a prayer life with him. So if you'll find that, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, stand with me, if you will, as I read these verses. I'm going to read from verse 35 to verse 39. And again, today's sermon is titled, Face to Face with God. Verse 35, now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Amen. You may be seated. Face to face with God. Prayer 
is one of the most wonderful, most beautiful gifts God has given to his people. Think of it. Think of what prayer is. Think about the fact that God has opened up a way for you to speak to him and to hear from him. Yeah, think of that. God, the creator of all the worlds. In the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the worlds, every galaxy, every star. And today, all the universe moves in motion, and they follow the laws that God ordained from the very beginning. And the Bible says that that same God, the God of the Bible, he holds all the world in the palm of his hand. That God has opened the way for you to speak directly to him and for you to actually know his voice in your life. What a wonderful gift prayer is. I remember when I was a young boy and I would go to the mall with my, with my mother. My mom liked to do a lot of mall shopping and so I would always go with her when I was a kid. And as you're passing by and you're walking through the stores uh, in around November time, there was in one section of the mall a big red mailbox. And that mailbox said, Letters to Santa. And it was for kids to come with their Christmas lists and their letters and all their requests. You write it down on a piece of paper, you fold it up, put it, in, put it in an envelope, no postage stamp necessary, but you put it in the envelope and you slide it into the box and supposedly Santa's going to get that letter and read what you need to say to him. And I remember even as a young boy thinking, well, that seems like a great way to get my list to Santa, but, I mean, is he really going to get that letter? I mean, who's to say? Someone's not going to come by and empty out this box and throw the stuff in the trash behind the mall. You have no idea. As a kid, you put that letter in the box, and you have no idea. Is Santa going to reach? Is it going to reach Santa? Is he going to read it? Is he going to understand it? Does he have time? Because there must be millions of kids writing letters. But you know, prayer is nothing like that. We're not wondering, will God hear my voice? Will he hear me when I call out to him? I'm sure that there are billions of people making prayers at the same time. Does he hear me? Does he know what I say? Does he know how I feel and what I'm going through? Every time I'm with your kids for Sunday school and I have an opportunity to, to teach them, I always teach them what the Bible says about God, about prayer, and about how God listens to us. And I tell your kids in the Old Testament, here's how God says, or how the Bible also says, God listens to us when we speak to him. It has a phrase that God bends his ear towards you. Or it'll say that God will bow down his ear in order to hear you and listen to you. And I explain to the kids that what that means, let's, for instance, what does it mean that God bows down his ear when we speak to him? Well, the picture is God who is high and mighty, who is above all things, when you speak to him, he bows down and he listens. 
You know, just last week I was at um, the Thursday Night Connect group uh, at Brother Ronald's house, and um, one of Hendrick's daughters wanted to ask me a question. And so as she's speaking to me, and of course there's other people in the house, there's some noise and, and conversation going on, but I wanted this young girl to, I wanted her to, to know, I want to listen. I want you to know I'm, I'm listening to you. So as she began to talk to me, I bowed down like this, and I wanted to hear exactly what she said. Now, if I stood up, of course I can still hear her. But by doing this, I want her to know I care about what you're going to say. I care about what you want to ask me, and I'm giving you my undivided attention. That's what it means when the Bible says God bows his ear down to us. It's not because he can't hear you, he's so high, but he wants you to know I'm listening. Or when he bends his ear. I do this all the time, especially when maybe I'm at the school and maybe there's a bunch of students there and somebody begins to ask me a question in the midst of all the kids and I can't hear what they're saying because of all the noise going on. And so if you're like me, you end up sort of cupping your ear and you bend your ear outward and say, can you say that again? That's bending the ear. And the Bible says that that's what God does when we speak to him. And again, it's not because he can't hear you that there's so much commotion going on that he says, wait a minute, say it again. It's because he wants you to know I am listening to every word you say. Everything you're about to say, I am listening. We don't have to hope God hears us. We know that he does. And that's his promise to us. And you know that's not all. There's even something greater about this prayer that we have with God. Not only do, does, has God opened a way for us to speak to him and that he listens to us, but prayer, the word in itself, it comes from the Greek word prosuke, and it means two things. Number one, you have the uke, and that means to speak, to make your request known, to, to tell God your desires, to speak to him. But the first part of that word, pros, is to speak with someone face-to-face. So the Bible teaches in that very word, prayer. When you speak to God, you speak to him face-to-face. Now, I know you don't see that. I know you may not, um, you know, feel that at any given moment. But according to the Bible, when you perhaps bow your head, when you close your eyes, when you're all alone, and you begin to speak to God... His face is right before you, listening to you. And that's a very intimate relationship we have with God. So I say prayer is a wonderful gift. You know, right now I'm speaking to you also face to face, but a couple of years ago, at least starting a couple of years ago, the world started to change a little bit. And we stopped doing face-to-face things. And then it became online. Let's meet online. Let's stream the service. Let's, let's meet through Zoom. And you know, that was great for a while when we weren't allowed to congregate together. But at some point, enough is enough. People are still meeting only through Zoom or only through FaceTime. There are still churches that will have a, an in-person service, but they also have a streaming-only service. Now, I, I'm not judging them for that. They can, they can preach however they want. And if more people watch it, then praise God. But we're getting to, into this mentality 
that if you don't want to come to church, no problem, watch us on the television. Watch us on your phone. Watch us on the iPad. And we're getting away from face-to-face conversation. Husbands and wives that are here today, wives, would you, be, would you accept your husband saying to you, you know what, honey, let's just keep this online stuff going. How about when we need to talk to each other, I'll FaceTime you. You can be in the living room, I'll be in the bedroom, I'll FaceTime you, and that's how we'll begin to communicate. Which wife would agree to that? Hopefully none of you would. And hopefully none of you husbands would ever dare to imagine sort of, a sort of thing. We need face-to-face. When you're face-to-face, you can speak personally, intimately. And it's the same with God. He wants you face-to-face with him because God cares about what you say. God cares about the things that you ask of him because God cares for you. So isn't prayer a wonderful gift, amen? But do we treat it as such? Do we treat prayer as this wonderful gift God's given us? Do we cherish it as something wonderful and beautiful and such a great privilege to have? Do we utilize it? Do we spend time day by day speaking to God and then stop every once in a while and try to listen to what God may say to you? I wonder, how is your prayer life today? You know, Jesus, the disciples knew that he prayed so much. They knew that every time he prayed, he was speaking to God the Father in in the heavens. And I think Jesus prayed so much to the Father, spoke so much with the Father, and taught so much about the Father that eventually Philip said, Jesus, can you just show us the Father? I think Jesus spent so much time with his Father that to the disciples, they must have thought, the Father must be here somewhere because Jesus is always in communion with him. Jesus is always speaking to him every morning, every evening, throughout the day. It seems like he's always in contact with his Father. So maybe Philip thought, Jesus, if your Father's somewhere here, can you just bring him out and show him to us? That's how intimate, that's how close Jesus was to God the Father. And of all the things that Jesus ever did, the disciples never asked him to teach them how to do miracles. They never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. They never asked Jesus how to do any of these things. There was one thing the disciples wanted so badly for Jesus to teach them. Lord, they said, teach us to pray because they knew how special that was to Jesus and they knew what Jesus thought about prayer. So today we catch a glimpse at how Jesus felt about prayer. Remember this about Jesus. He is God the Son. He is the second person of the triune God. And he's from all eternity. From all eternity past, the Father and Son were in perfect relationship and shared the same glory with each other. But it was the Son who left heaven and came down into this world. And he humbled himself, the Bible says. He became obedient to the Father. And he became a man. He lived just like you and me. And as a man, he needed his Father just like we do. 
as a man, he demonstrated to us how a perfect man worships God, how a perfect man prays to God. And so remember that about Jesus. He was the perfect man, but as a man, he was weak in some ways like we are. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was in need. And so he developed a beautiful prayer life with God. And so let him be our example today. Two things the Bible says Jesus did consistently, constantly. Two things the Bible says was customary for Jesus, and that was preaching and praying. And today we see him doing both. So let's consider a few things about Jesus as we read this story once again, especially as it relates to prayer. We're going to see, number one, his priority, number two, his patience, and number three, his purpose. All right, so let's begin with number one, his priority. And you might have to help me with the slide there because it's not, it's, there it is. All right, let's go. It says once again, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. We begin today's text with a very practical lesson about prayer. Do you know what Jesus just did before this story? Do you remember what we've been talking about from the Gospel of Mark? After he called his disciples, and then he went into the synagogue early on the Sabbath day, and he preached there, he was teaching, there was a demon-possessed man that he healed, and all the news began to spread. And then we read last week that immediately after he left the synagogue, he went to Peter's house. And Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And he raised that woman up. And then on that same night, multitudes of people came because they needed healing. They needed deliverance. And all through the night, Jesus is ministering to the people. So he's been up early in the morning preaching and teaching. And for the afternoon, he's doing some more teaching and more healing. And then that evening, nothing but ministering to multitudes of people. And I'm sure he went to bed late at night. He went to bed when it was dark outside, and yet he got up when it was still dark outside. And after that full day of ministry, the very next day, he gets up to pray. And we come to verse 35, and we notice first when this took place. When this took place. Mark says, a long while before daylight. So sometime in the morning, while it's still dark, and there's not a single person awake yet, Jesus gets up, he sort of gathers his garments together, he doesn't wake anybody up, and he just quietly walks out of Peter's home, he finds his bearings, and he walks down the road to find a solitary place. Meanwhile, everybody in the neighborhood is sleeping. They have no idea that there's a man walking down the road. He got up long before the sun rose. He got up long before Simon and Andrew would go down to the docks of the Sea of Galilee and see what was caught during that morning and, and maybe bring some fish home for breakfast. Even before they get up, Jesus is already out there. Before Peter's mother-in-law and the other ladies that may have been there, before they get up, 
and began to prepare things and maybe get breakfast ready for everyone. Long before all of them, Jesus got up and he went out to find time with the Father. You know, every morning, I usually get up about 45 minutes before my kids do, my younger daughters who are going to school. And I try to get into my prayer time and in my devotion, but it seems like just like that, now they're up and they're getting ready for school. And then I sort of leave my office and I, you know, I help them. I get them, you know, help them get ready for school and all the things. And then I say goodbye to them. But I, I kind of don't like it because it, it breaks into my, my prayer time. And so I, I decided last week after reading this message, I decided to make my alarm clock go off an hour earlier than normal. And it's been wonderful. Because when I get up, nobody else is getting up for at least an hour and a half. Nobody, not even the dogs are getting up yet. And I can go all by myself into my office and with not a single distraction, I can begin worshiping and reading and praying. That's when the, and where did this take place? Not only where, but where did this take place? In a deserted place, in a solitary place. Do you know that word solitary place? is the same exact word Mark used when it says that the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness, the desert, where there is nothing around. The same word is used right here. So Jesus, who went to that desert where he was tempted by Satan, where he was all alone with no one and nothing, it seems as though Jesus was often drawn back to that place. Why? Because nobody else was there. There were no distractions there. There was nothing that he needed to do except one thing, speak with his father. He found a quiet place where nobody else was. I've had to learn when I go into my quiet place, I have to work my hardest to make sure I don't bring my phone with me or let my iPad turn on. Because wouldn't you know it, as soon as I want to start praying, I start getting alerts, and these messages are dinging my phone and dinging my iPad. And it's so tempting to stop praying and start reading. But we need a solitary place where there is no social media. There is no internet. There are no kids that need to get up just yet for school. There's nothing but you and God. Finding a place early in the morning and finding a lonely place just to be with God alone, those two things were important for Jesus. And then notice what took place. There he prayed. That's where Jesus got down on the ground and met face to face with his father. There he prayed. And on this morning, after a full day of work, on this morning, all he wants his whole desire is just his father. That's it. No other agenda, just his father. And I imagine he prayed a lot like we see like in John chapter 17. Jesus prays in that, in that chapter. John chapter 17. Jesus begins speaking to the father about his relationship with the father. That from all eternity past, they shared the glory with each other. 
And Jesus expressed his desire to the Father to go back to that place that he shared with the Father. Of course, he knew that there was a cross, there was a resurrection, and there would be an ascension. But one day, Father, I will be where I have come from. And then he prayed for his disciples that the Father would bless them and protect them and keep them safe and in his hands. And, and Jesus reminded the Father, I have not lost a single one of them, Father. And then the last part of his prayer was for all of you. All that would believe in the future, he prayed for you. And I imagine on this morning as he's praying, of course, giving glory to the Father, and speaking of his relationship to the Father, I would imagine he would then give thanks to the Father for all the things that happened the day before. All those healings, all those miracles, all those deliverances, all the people who would believe in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for every one. Thank you for every man, woman, and child. And I bet when Jesus prayed for them, it wasn't just them. I believe he knew their names. Every one of them. God bless this one. God bless that one. He knew them all by name. And do you know that today, when I think of this, this can really cause me to just worship God. And it's the fact that he knows my name. It's the very fact that right now in heaven, there is Jesus. And to know that my name is uttered in heaven by him, that makes me feel so loved. What a privilege it is that he still knows and speaks our name to the Father. What a wonderful blessing it is that we know his name. Amen? It's the name that saves it's the name that heals and sets free, that forgives. It's the name by which we are saved and have eternal life. Oh, what a blessing to know his name, Jesus. But just as wonderful, he knows my name. And he knows everything about me. He knows my name and he knows yours. And I believe that as he prayed for the people, even by name, he prayed for what the Father did the day before, but there was also new people he would meet on this day. And he was already praying for those he would meet in a matter of just a few moments of time. When this took place, where it took place, and what took place. And now here's the question for all of us. And you've probably heard this before, but it makes sense. And it's something we always need to meditate on. If Jesus, the eternal son of the living God, if he felt that his top priority was to give prayer, to spend time with his father, then how much more should we cherish this gift called prayer? How much more do we think we need to spend time with the father? Spend time worshiping, reading his word, praying and making our requests known to him. How much more do we need to find that secret place where we can begin just by saying nothing at all. You can just sit or kneel or stand and just begin by saying, Father, speak to me. Speak to me. I'm your servant. Speak to me. And then stop talking. Just be quiet for a while. 
and meditate on the thoughts that come to your mind. Because then you're going to have some things that you need to pray about. Maybe you think about the things that you should be thankful for. And you begin to give God praise for them. Maybe you start thinking about some of the people in your life that need help. And you can begin to pray for them. You think of your husband. You think of your spouse. And you know that God can do all things. And it just seems like if you begin in the quiet, then praises and worship and prayers will begin to just flow out of your heart. Find that time and then read the Bible. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. Read the Bible. Mix in scripture reading with your prayer. It's a secret place. It's a solitary place where nobody else is. Nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody sees you where you are, but the Father is there with you, meeting you face to face. And what God will do in your life in that secret place the outcome will be growing fruit in the world. You know, if you take a seed, whatever kind of seed it is, you plant the seed, you dig a hole, you put that seed in the ground, you cover it with dirt and you water it. And then what happens? Well, we know what happens, but nobody can see what happens. We don't see what's happening in that secret place under the ground. But eventually, something begins growing and something becomes fruitful. And when that thing becomes fruitful, now people can delight in that fruit that's growing out of that plant or that tree. In the same way, what God does in your life in that secret place, where it's just you and him and nobody else, God will begin to develop fruit in your life. Out of that secret place will come great fruit and blessing. That was Jesus' priority. Prayer. Number two, we see his Patience. Patience. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. It says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, two things I want to point out here. First of all, I can really appreciate Simon. I really can. And I, and I believe I can identify a little bit with Simon. Can you imagine Simon wakes up in the morning? I don't know how much long afterward, but he wakes up and he, he rubs his eyes, he looks around and he sees his brother Andrew getting up, but the place where Jesus was lying is now empty. Where, Andrew, where's Jesus? I don't know, I just woke up. So then Simon gets up and he, he, he sees his, his mother-in-law maybe getting up and he says, Ma, have you seen Jesus? No? All right, and so he goes outside. And maybe there's some neighbors out there, hey guys, have you seen Jesus? No, we're looking for him too. Let us know when you find him. And before you know it, it seems like the whole town is looking for Jesus. They're searching for him. It says that they searched for him, and then they found him. He's in a solitary place, all by himself, praying. But the very fact that they found him tells me they knew exactly where to go. Because he did this all the time. In the morning, they might say to each other, if you get up early in the morning and you notice Jesus is gone, just find the nearest desert or the nearest solitary place and it's very likely you'll find him there praying. They knew where to go in order to find him. And when they reach for him, they say, everyone is looking for you. What I like about this is the fact that they search for him and they found him. For all of you here today, 
If you search for him, the Bible says he will be found by you. And you might say, well, how do I find him? Yes, I want to search for him. How do I find him? You know where he is. You know exactly where he is. If you're searching for him, all you do is call upon him. And there he is, face to face with you. If you want to find the one you're searching for, just start praying. Because in your prayer, his presence is there with you. And he's face to face with you. Prayer is where he always is. Whether you're in your car, in your bedroom, or at your desk at work, when you pray, he's there listening. They knew exactly where to go, and so do we. Secondly, I love how then Jesus shows patience with them. He finds a quiet place. He's praying. And maybe he's praying for his disciples at the time, and he looks up and says, and Father, here they come. Just like always, here they come. And he waits for them, and they come in. Or maybe he was in the middle of praying, and they catch up and say, hey, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. So they sort of crash his prayer, they crash his prayer time. They barge right in and interrupt what he's doing. Does Jesus get mad? Does he rebuke them? Does he yell at them? No. He's patient with them. Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. In other words, Jesus, hey, there's more people here. There's more to minister to. You're not done. We're not done. Let's get back to work and do what we're supposed to do. But what they really needed was patience. And what Jesus wanted to teach them was to have patience. He knows that we can get so busy in life. And maybe you're busy doing good things. Maybe what you do for a living is a wonderful thing. But even God knows you can get so busy, the very first thing you'll forget about is your prayer life. And so Jesus, he, short, he sort of shows patience to them, but there was another story where he taught them to have patience. There was a story where he sent the disciples out and he said to them, I'm, I'm sending you out into the towns. I give you authority to preach, to pray for the sick that they be healed, to cast out demons and deliver the people. And the disciples went out and they preached and they healed and demons were cast out. And when they came back to Jesus, they were thrilled. Jesus, you should have seen it. I, we couldn't believe what happened. We preached and people believed and, and demons, they listened to our words. We have an authority over them and they were cast out, out of people. Blind people were healed. Deaf people were healed. And the Bible says that Jesus took them away. He took them to a solitary place to just get away and be alone. Why? He wanted them to stop working for a moment. Because if it was up to them, I'm sure they would say, Jesus, let's go back out and keep on doing it. No, be patient. What you need is to stop for a moment and come back to the Father in prayer. We get so busy in life, and it's easier for us to just go one day after another after another, full speed ahead. But may we never think that we can sort of get along in life without our prayer life. Jesus wanted to teach them in the busyness of life, you must be patient. Because, you know, especially for these disciples, when they go out to minister to the people, yeah, there, there will be healing, praise God. 
There will be people who will believe, but we know that we don't always see some of these things happening. I mean, sometimes I'll preach a sermon, and I'll go home thinking, man, that was a good sermon. Oh, I, God, I was really preaching with fire today. God, I, I believe that people were touched by your message today. We got to pray with each other. That was a wonderful service. That was a wonderful sermon. Amen. And then the next Sunday comes along, and none of you say amen. None of you smile. And it looks like you all are ready to go to sleep, and you're not even listening to me. Sometimes even in ministry, there are great times, and there are some maybe not so great times. And I'm sure in your daily life, there are good moments and there are bad moments. Do you know what prepares you to handle both of them? Do you know what prepares you to be humble in the good times and to be thankful in the bad times? A healthy, consistent prayer life. God will teach you to be patient in times through prayer life. Even for Jesus, when we look at his life from one moment to the next moment, between each and every ministry, from one outpouring of compassion to another, there was this unbreakable chain link of prayer. Every day started with prayer. Every day ends with prayer. In between it all, he had this wonderful prayer life, always connecting every event and every day with prayer. Brothers and sisters, don't get so busy in life. And, and don't convince yourself, well, I'm doing good things. Even so, you need a prayer life. If anything, to be able to just get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to face a new day today. And I just want to let you know I need you. I have to make some decisions today for my employees or for my, my, my boss or, or for my family. God, I need wisdom today. David Smith, if you pray for wisdom, will God give you that wisdom? Amen. Start each and every day with just a simple, humble prayer. And when the day is finished, go back to God with prayer again and give him thanks for what, you've done, what, what he's done for you. But make it a chain link connecting everything in your life. Be patient. Number three and last, we see his purpose. The last two verses says, when they said, everyone's looking for you, he said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. You know, he could have stayed right where he was. He could have stayed among all the people that were looking for him. And I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to stay. I mean, great miracles are happening and people are coming for more. Certainly he's so popular in this village. People want to see him. They want to hear from him. They want to see the power of God working through him. And I would say, Jesus, if you're so popular here, why leave? Just stay there and just soak in all of that glory. But according to Jesus, there was something else he needed to do. He said, let's go into the next towns that I may preach. Jesus had a purpose 
when he came into this world. And you know, the miracles were great, and I still love reading about them today. And it still inspires me today to keep on praying for God to work his miracle-working power. The miracles were great, but there was something so much more important than that. And that was preaching. Preaching. There were people who needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The miracles are great, but miracles don't necessarily save people. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. Jesus came with a purpose, and that was to preach. Now, his priority in his personal life, that was prayer. But the priority of his public ministry life, that was preaching. And that's what he came to do. And let me just end with this. Speaking of his purpose now, Jesus knew his purpose on earth. He always knew his purpose. But you know, on one end, he knows the word of God. He knows the will of God. And he, he knows what he has come to do. He knows what the Father has commanded for him to do. And we see him devoted to the purpose of God. And we may ask, well, how do you go from knowing God's word to be devoted to the purpose God has for you? It's what happens in the middle. The prayer life. The prayer life. Jesus, even when he was 12 years old, he already knew his purpose. He said to his parents, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? Jesus knew his purpose was to come, was yes to minister, but it was to die for our sins. To be raised back to life and then ascend back into heaven as savior of the world. That was his purpose. But how was he so devoted to that purpose? How was it that he never took his eyes off of that purpose? His prayer life. His prayer life. And so it is with us. How are we to know God's word? How are we to know God's will for his people? It's all sitting maybe on your lap right now or in the chair next to you. It's called the Bible. It's the word of God. If you want to know what God's word is, open it up and read it. If you want to know God's will for his people, open it up and read it. But how then do you go from knowing what God says? You know, a lot of people know what God says. It doesn't mean they're devoted to their purpose in life. How can we go from knowing what he says to desiring or to be devoted to the purpose? It's the prayer life. And so I want to encourage all of you with this. And I promise I'm going I'm to close with this. When you pray, and I'm not saying you have to do it in the morning. Jesus did it in the morning. You have to do it in the morning. Do it when you can find a quiet place. Do it when you can give some considerable time to just you and God, whenever that is. But when you pray, I want to encourage you, bring along a Bible. And as you pray, and as you spend time talking to God, open the Bible and begin reading. Because eventually you're going to see something in what God says and you know you need to make it become your purpose. And so what you need to do is take what God says and mix it in your prayer. 
And so let me end with this illustration. This past week, I was praying, I was spending time in the morning, and then when I was sort of finished my prayer time, I opened the Bible, and I'm currently reading through Isaiah as a devotion. And I'm reading Isaiah, and I, I came across a verse in chapter 5, and it, it like hit me out of nowhere. Like I, I thought, wow, I've never noticed that verse before, but the way Isaiah says it, i got to think about this for a moment. And it's Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18, and here's what Isaiah says. Woe, meaning there's great alarm, danger, to those who draw iniquity, to those who draw sin, with cords of vanity. I saw that and I thought, what? It's dangerous for those who draw sin as though the cord that they're using to draw that sin is vanity. Well, what does that mean? And as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, vanity. Vanity means worthlessness. It's nonsense. It's foolishness. It's the stuff that in the end doesn't really matter. It's the stuff that in the eyes of heaven really doesn't matter. Like the pursuit of money in the end really doesn't matter at all. But there are things in life that become vanity. And we are chasing after these nonsense things. We are often chasing after worthless things that mean nothing at all. Things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But Isaiah says that our chasing after those foolish things, it's like a cord. We're doing this, and we are bringing sin into our life. When you chase after the wrong things, you can be sure sin will develop in your life. Whether it's covetousness, greed, or maybe that sin, that, that, that vanity, that worthlessness that you're chasing after, maybe you're doing it to fulfill an evil lust in your heart, whatever it might be. But if you are chasing after vanity, it's like you're pulling a cord and drawing sin into your life. And in the end, that sin comes into your life and it ruins and it wrecks your life. And at that point, no one can say, where did this sin come from? I mean, I was just an innocent bystander and somebody just took something and just dumped it on my life. I don't know where it came from. I didn't ask for this. Isaiah says, wrong. Your whole life, your whole chasing after the wind is drawing this iniquity in your life. And so I read that verse, and then I mixed it in prayer. And I said, God, am I chasing after foolish things? I mean, I'm not thinking of anything right away, but am I? You know me more than I know me. Am I chasing after nonsense? Stuff that doesn't even matter. Am I passionate about things that in your eyes mean nothing? And is it going to lead to sin in my life? And maybe I don't see that right now. Maybe God is preparing me something for the future. I don't know. But when that happened, you know what happened in my life? I saw what God said. And I started praying about it. And now, I'm watching carefully, carefully. I don't want to chase things that don't honor God. I don't want to chase things that get in the way of my relationship with God. And it's becoming my purpose in life, my purpose in serving Him. Do you see? 
Do you see the importance of a prayer life? Many years ago, I was working in a Christian bookstore. A brand new book came out. This was like 20 years ago or more. A brand new book called A Purpose Driven Life. And I was told by everybody, oh, you got to buy the book. you got to buy the book. A pastor wrote it, and if you read that book, you're going to find out your purpose. It's a great devotional. It's changing people's lives. you got to buy the book. If you want to know God's will, if you want to know your purpose, buy the book. Well, you know, I've never read the book. And I'm sure it's probably good. But you know, didn't we just find the formula of knowing what our purpose is in life? It's the Word of God, praying through that Word of God, and then the Holy Spirit stirs up that purpose in your life to honor Him by following His Word. I don't need a $20 book to tell me that. I don't need that. I can find it right here in my Bible iPad, or my iPad Bible. So how is your prayer life today? Is it a priority for you like it was for Jesus? Is God trying to teach you today you need to be more patient in life and stop every once in a while and seek for his wisdom, seek for his help and strength? And are you walking devoted to the purpose God has for you? You might say, well, I don't know my purpose yet. Read the Bible. Get into the word of God and let him speak to you by it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Father, for allowing us today to just see a glimpse of your son and to see how much he cherished that fellowship with you, to see how much he cherished that alone time with you, and that even Jesus, the one who is God from all eternity, even Jesus sought for your help. Even Jesus made requests known to you. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Jesus prayed for us. And every day of his life, it was filled with thanksgiving and praise to you for all that you were doing through him. God, once again, help us to ask this very common question. If Jesus prayed like that, shouldn't I? Shouldn't we? And I pray, God, today as a result, once again, as a result, Help us, Lord, to learn to seek you, to seek you more often, to believe the Bible. When the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace in time of need, God, you invite us today to come and seek your face, and we will find it in that prayer life. And I pray that as we do that, and the more we do that, oh, God, do the deepest work in our hearts, and in our minds. And help us to know our purpose in life. Whatever we do in life, we are to bring you glory and honor. Teach us that through our prayer life. So bless everybody today, and may a prayer life begin to grow and increase in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Daniel, would you come? If you have your communion emblems with you today, you can prepare those for our communion with the Lord. Pastor Daniel's coming and to lead us in that time of communion. God bless you, Pastor Daniel.